several uh, years ago, uh, we went to Disney World, and um, there's a ride in Epcot, which is one of the parks at Disney World, called Mission Space. And when you get to Mission Space ride, they have a choice that you have to make right when you get in the line. And you have, you have to choose between the intense version of the ride or the baby version. It's not, they don't call it the baby version, but it's the, the mild version of the ride. So, you know, if you, if you get motion sickness or you're claustrophobic or whatever, they tell you to go the mild route. And if you just really just want to live on the edge, you go the intense route. But you have to make the choice as you get in the line because that is going to change everything about the ride. And so, so you're either, you know, if you choose intense or you choose mild, everything is going to be different based on the choice you make. When we get, get ready today to start this new series about giving, you have a choice to make today. And because we're going to talk about this this week, next week, and then Donnie's going to preach the third week a, a, a very important message about the, where Jesus said things like, where your money is, that's where your heart is, and, and that's going to kind of uh, sum up everything we talk about. As we get ready to talk about giving, you have a choice to make. You can choose... The first choice you have is this. You can choose to believe that the Bible has good stuff to say about money, that it has things to say about money that, that will be helpful for you, and you can choose to believe that, that me as the pastor of this church, that, that Donnie is, as, a, as a pastor of this church, that our elders, that our staff, that we want what's best for you and we want to talk to you about money because we want you to live in the will of God and to be free financially. That's the first choice. If you choose that, then what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks has the potential to make a huge impact in your life. It could really be life-changing. The second choice you can make is you can choose to believe that what the Bible says about money is just really impractical and outdated and that me as the pastor of this church and our elders and the rest of the staff at this church, all we want to do is we want to bleed you dry financially and get as much money out of you as we can so that we can build a building and I can buy a bigger truck and that my kids can go to school and Donnie's kids can go to school and Chris can buy like another iPad or something. So <laughs> if you choose that, if you choose that, then what's going to happen is you're going to go home every Sunday afternoon this month mad. And you're going to go home upset and you're going to think that we're all a bunch of crooks. So you have a choice to make today based on, and, and your choice, your attitude going into this is going to make all the difference in the world. So as I get ready to teach this morning and we get ready to talk about this, go ahead and start making your choice, all right? And if you're, and if you're going to choose number two, where you're, you know, think that we're trying to bleed you dry, then don't come back till the first Sunday in March. I've never told people not to come back to church. But if that's what you're going to choose, just stay home, you know, for a few weeks or, you know, visit another church or whatever. But come back the first Sunday of March and we won't be talking about money again. But we're going to talk about it for the next few weeks. And I think it's important to talk about it because the Bible talks about it and the Bible has a lot to say. And as a matter of fact, um, one of the, the reasons that, that, I, that the scripture we're going to use, if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians Chapter 8, 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament, that's the second half of the Bible, and uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, the reason I'm using this scripture today, last January, uh, so just about 13 months ago, um, we did a series where we challenged the whole church, I don't know if you remember this, 
to read the New Testament in a month. Do you remember that? We called it New Through 30, and we gave you reading guides and that kind of stuff, and we read the New Testament in a month. And as I was going through that last January, I was you know, reading through 2 Corinthians again, and I came across 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and it was all this good stuff about money and about giving. And it caught my attention, and, and part of the reason verses that talk about that stuff Stuff just always catch my attention, and I'm passionate about that stuff, and, and I'm going to tell you some more of my story towards the end of the message today so you can kind of understand that. And so when I, when I read through that, I thought, all right, this is good stuff. We need to do a series of messages on this. So I'm going to start by reading 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to read the first 15 verses and then kind of talk through them, and then we're going to focus on one of these verses for the rest of the day. So if you've got your Bibles, look at that. If you don't, look on the screen. It'll be up there. 2 Corinthians 8, starting with verse 1. It says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had er earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Now, Paul is writing this letter. This is a letter that a guy named Paul wrote, and he's writing it to the church at a place called Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians. That's the people that live there. They, will, they were called Corinthians. And he's telling them about what was going on in a place called Macedonia. Now, Cor Corinth is in Greece. Macedonia is in another section of Greece. And Macedonia, there are towns there like Philippi. You've, if you've maybe looked in the New Testament, there's a book called Philippians. That's Philippi. Thessalonica was also there. So this is, Paul is telling them about, this is what is happening in another uh, area, not far from where you live. It was about 150 to 200 miles from Corinth, depending on where you were going in Macedonia. So this would be like if, if I was here at this church for a while and I left and started traveling around to other churches and I wrote back a letter to Freedom Fellowship and, and had Donnie read it from the stage and he said, hey, Cliff just wrote this letter and he's saying, you won't believe what the churches in Charleston are doing. You won't believe how good they are at giving. That's about the distance that it was, about 150 to 200 miles from Corinth. And so Paul's letting them know what's going on. And so then he gives the church at Corinth a challenge in verse 7. He says this, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Just remember that word right there, test. Just as we go on, that's going to come back up later on today. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. And then verses 13 and 14, Paul makes the point that 
churches are working together as a team. He says this, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. And so Paul is saying that when it comes to this grace of giving that he's talking about, that everyone is supposed to participate. And that's one of the things we experienced last year as a church when we got up here in in April or March and we said, listen, we've got this debt on this land. We want this to be paid off. It was a big amount that we didn't think that, that we could do. I knew that I certainly could not write a check to pay that off. Most of you in here, you didn't have the money to write a check to pay it off, but working together, we paid that land off in a year because people participated together. And Paul is saying that's the way giving works in the life of a church. Now, but what I, the verse I want us to focus on today is verse 7, where Paul says this, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. What does it mean to excel in the grace of giving? What does it mean to excel in the grace of giving? Before we answer that, I think verse 7, I like verse 7 because it reminds me that church people way back then were not a lot different from church people today. Here's here's what I mean by that. Verse 7 there, Paul says that the, the church at Corinth was good at a lot of stuff. He says there, that they are already, excel, you know, excel means to go over and above, to be better than average. And he said, you're already going over and above in faith, which that's good. That, that, they were doing good stuff. You already are going over and above in your speech, in your knowledge. They knew the scripture. They could even teach the scripture. You're already going over and above in, in your earnestness and in your love. But there was one thing that they lacked. He said, just like you're doing a great job in all these other things, also you need to begin to excel in the grace of giving. Now, it, isn't, let's just be honest here, isn't that like church people today? See, I've been around church my whole life, and one of the things that you learn over the time is, is that people will get really good at all kinds of stuff, but giving seems to be the last thing that they get good at. Giving, there's, there's an old joke where, you know, a pastor tells about, you know, he baptized people in his congregation, and as they're being baptized, they hold their wallet up out of the water, right? They don't want their wallet to get baptized. Lord, I'll give you everything, but I'm holding this wallet out for myself. I'm not going to let it get wet, right? And, and that's kind of the way we are sometimes as church people. We're good at all this other stuff. We even get good at, we know the Bible, and, and we serve, and we get really good at coming to church every week, and, and we even get good at telling people about Jesus and all that stuff. But then when it comes to giving, we're holding back on that, and we, we don't excel in the grace of giving. And so things back then were not that different than they are today. So when we talk about what does it mean to, to excel in the grace of giving, well, as you read through Scripture, you read through the Old Testament, you read through the New Testament, you read through what Jesus taught, I think that it comes down to two things. To excel in the grace of giving is two words. It's amount and it's attitude. Amount and attitude. And, and so, so we, let's, let's talk about the one you don't want me to talk about first. Let's talk about amount, right? Because you're sitting here thinking, good night, I cannot believe I came to church on Super Bowl Sunday. And Cliff is wanting to talk about how much I give or don't give. Um, I think there's, there's a part of us sometimes that wants to believe that the amount doesn't really make a difference. That just as long as we're giving, 
I'm just, I'm giving something and God knows my heart. He knows that I want to give more, but I can't. So just, you know, this is just all I can do right here, this, this little bit. And that's a nice idea, but it's not true. It's a way that I think we lie to ourselves. If we want to talk about what the scripture says about what amount we should give, let's look at the Old Testament. Let's look at Malachi chapter 3. Now, right now, some of you, as I say Malachi chapter 3, some of you are getting to be like Eddie Murphy and coming to America. You're like, there you go, there you go. Every time a preacher wants to talk about giving, he got to bring up Malachi, 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 right? That's what you're thinking right now. Because cause that's the truth. Mal- you know, we talk about, I was, what's the go-to title? Oh, Malachi chapter 3. But it's so good because it's so clear, all right? So let, let's, just, let's just look at how clear it is together. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 says this, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. When we talk about the amount, if we want to excel in the grace of giving, when we talk about the amount, the amount we're talking about is a percentage, and the percentage is 10%. Now, it's not your 10% will be different than my 10%. And so it's not about the dollar amount. If, 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 if 10% for you is $10,000, then you're doing what God wants you to do. If 10% for someone else is $100, then they're doing what God wants them to do. So it's not dollar amount, it's percentage amount. And God makes it very clear. He says that a tithe is 10%, and that's what he expects. Where does 10% come from? Did, did God just pull that out of the air? Well, if you go back to Genesis 14, you can look at this on your own this afternoon. Genesis 14, write that in your notes and go back and read it. Abraham was, was out, and, and Abraham fought a battle, and he won. He won the battle. And then the king of Jerusalem, your Old Testament says king of Salem, but it was the king of Jerusalem, comes to him and blesses him. And, and because he received the blessing, Abraham then gave the king of Jerusalem 10% of everything he owned. And that's where this 10% thing began. And so if you got a problem with 10%, you know, complain to Abraham when you die and go to heaven, I guess. You know, say, why couldn't you have given him like 2%? That would have been much easier for me in 2013. But he gave him 10% of everything he had. And that's where the tithe came from. And so God says in there that, that what he expects of us as he expects for us to give him a tithe, but not just to give him a tithe, but to give him some offerings. Now, what happens with us in church is we call any little bit that we give, we call it an offering. But that's not what the word means. And we call sometimes any little bit that we give a tithe, I got to give my tithe today. But if you're not giving 10%, you're not giving a tithe. And if you're not giving over 10%, you're not giving an offering. A tithe is 10%. An offering is anything over 10%. So you say, okay, well, what is under 10%? Because I think that's what I'm giving. Well, according, to, listen, don't get mad at me, all right? And remember, cho- choice one or choice two. I hope you chose choice one. According to God, according to what he says through Malachi, less than 10% is a criminal offense. God says, you are robbing me. When you don't give a tithe. So the reality is, for, for most people in church, is that 
they've never ever given an offering. They've dropped stuff in the plate, they've dropped stuff in the bucket, and they call it an offering, but if it's not over 10%, you've never given an offering. This is hardcore. I know it's hardcore, all right? But we're tough, right? We can handle it. Let's move on. You know, a friend of mine, uh, he just uh, just ran a marathon. And he's been running. He's, uh, if you saw him, you would go, yeah, I can see that that dude runs marathons. He's in unbelievable shape, no body fat, um, looks like he eats bean sprouts all the time, that kind of thing. And, and, uh, but he ran his first marathon. He's been running his whole life but never ran a marathon. And uh, I was talking to him about it, and, uh, you know, the first thing, he said, hey, man, you ought to run the next one with me. And then when I got done laughing, you know, then uh, we continued to talk. But, but he, he was, it took him, you know, like between five and six hours, I can't remember his time, to run this marathon. And I thought, man, I can't even sleep for like five hours straight, and you're running for five hours straight. And uh, it's just unbelievable to me. But, but the thing was, I, when he ran the marathon, it was 26.2 miles. And he can say now he finished it. He went from the start to the finish line, 26.2 miles. If he had run 25 miles, I will still would have been impressed. That's impressive to me. But it's not a marathon. He could not have gone and said, hey, I ran a marathon. He could say, I ran 25 miles. And I'd say, man, good job. But if he didn't finish that 1.2, he didn't run a marathon. You might, you might be at a point in your life where you think, I can give 7%. That's, to me, that's... That sounds pretty good. I understand that that's a lot. That's a sacrifice for you. And I would say to you, good job. Keep doing that. You know, try to increase that or whatever. But what God says is, okay, that's fine. You're giving 7%, but you're not tithing. And the tithe begins at 10. And the offering begins at 11 and goes up from there. And so, but what, here, here's the thing that I love about these verses in the Bible about giving. It's almost as if... Oh, I mean, of course God knew what he was doing. I almost said it's almost as if God knew what he was doing. Of course God knew what he was doing. But it's, 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 like, it's like God said, okay, when I tell them this stuff about giving, they're not going to like it, so I've got to be sure and let them know what I'm going to do for them. Because he follows it right up with a promise. Because he says in verse 8 and verse 9, listen, you've got to tithe. If you don't tithe, you're under a curse. Then he gets to verse 10, and he says, just bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on it you will not have room enough for it. So he immediately gives us the promise. And he says, if you do this, I will bless you. And I love that he says, test me in this. What did Paul say to the church at Corinth in verse 8? He said in verse 8 of, 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 of 2 Corinthians, he said, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. So Paul is saying, I want to test to see how much you love God. And then God's saying, and you can test to see how faithful I am. You can put me to the test and see if I mean what I say. I'm telling you to give me 10% of your hard-earned money. I know that you work hard for it. I know that it wasn't easy to come by. And I'm asking you to give me 10% of it. And if you don't think that I'm faithful, test me and see if I am. And when you test me, I'm going to bless the daylights out of you. So amount, if we want to excel in the grace of giving, the amount has to be right. The second thing is the attitude has to be right. 
The attitude has to be right. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. We're just in 2 Corinthians 8, and then Paul continues to talk to the, to the church at Corinth about giving, and he gets to 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and he says this. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I want you to walk out of here today challenged to give, not because I twisted your arm. Not because I said I'm going to be mad at you if you don't give. Not because I said I'm going to go into the computer tomorrow and check who tithed and who didn't and I'm going to call you this week. That's not why I want you to give. I want you to give because God's doing something in your heart. See, Abraham gave. Remember, I, I told you the story about Abraham giving to the king of Jerusalem. The king of Jerusalem blessed him and then Abraham gave to him. The, 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 the giving followed the blessing. We should give because we realize we've been blessed by God. And we have all been blessed. There's, I, I would venture to say, I'd almost be willing to bet that there's nobody in here right now that is going to go home tonight and worry about if they're going to have something to eat for supper. In fact, the majority of you in here tonight are already thinking about, I cannot wait till I eat too much at the Super Bowl party that I'm going to. I'm going to eat wings and I'm going to you know, do all this kind of stuff. That's what you're thinking about right now. We've been blessed. We live in a nation where we have more than we need. And our response to blessing, uh, you know, as we've, we've been blessed by God, our response to that should be that we give back to Him. And our attitude should be a cheerful one as we do it. That's what Paul says. God loves a cheerful giver. See, the time offering time should be the most exciting time of this service. I mean, when they're, when they're passing those buckets, you know, people should be like slamming in the air going, Woo! You know, or just going crazy because, they, man, I just gave, yeah! Take that tithe, God. How about that? You know, whatever. You're just excited about it. Or when you, when you, and I know some of you don't give here, you pay online and then you feel guilty. You know, you're wondering if people are looking at you when the bucket goes by or whatever. Listen, keep giving online. We love that. You know, when you do bill pay, when you're sitting by yourself and you click that mouse or tap it on your smartphone, it should be like, yes, this is the happiest moment of my week because I just gave. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. And I love that in this one too. God follows it up with a promise. Verse, it starts with verse 8, and he says this. If we give cheerfully, it says this. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, this is God, he supplies this stuff. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Another promise. If we want to excel in the grace of giving, we have to make sure that we're given the right amount and we're given with the right attitude. Now, I want, to, I want to finish up by telling you my story. Um, I'm not telling you this uh, to brag at all. In fact, the, most of the first part of it, it's, it's embarrassing to admit. Uh, but I want to tell you because I want you to hear a story of someone who was in the same situation as you and, and where, where God has brought me. Um, I didn't tithe for a long time. And, and when I say I didn't tithe, 
I'm talking about I didn't tithe when I was in seminary studying to be a minister. I didn't tithe. When I was on staff at a church serving as a youth pastor, I didn't tithe. For a long time of that, I'll tell you how that changed. And so for a long time, I didn't tithe. Now, I gave to the church, but I didn't give regularly. I certainly didn't give enough, and, and I certainly didn't give cheerfully. I didn't enjoy giving. I didn't enjoy giving to extra things. I didn't want to, if you know, somebody needed financial help, I didn't want to help them. I really, this is just me, I was just a very selfish person when it came to my finances. And I lived like that for a long time. And now, I knew the Scripture. I'd studied it. I'd read 2 Corinthians 8. I'd read Malachi 3. I'd read Matthew that Donnie's going to preach about, about where your heart is, there your, your treasure is and your heart, and all that's mixed up together. I'd read all that stuff. I knew that. I'd read the Sermon on the Mount. I knew all that stuff, but I still, I didn't give. And um, I took a, there's a couple different things that happened that, that got my attention about this, and, and one of them was uh, I took a spiritual gifts inventory, spiritual gifts test, and um, they had, you could score like, I don't know, up to whatever it was, 100 or something on them, on, on the different gifts, and so it had the gifts of like prophecy, wisdom, teaching, giving, all this other stuff. So I, there were some that I scored high on that I knew that I was gifted in, and, and, and so that was like, okay, that's cool, I knew that, I could kind of tell that by what God's done in my life. And then the gift of giving. You could score, like I said, I think it was up to 100. I scored zero. Not even one. Zero. Which I think basically means what that meant is it asks you these questions that if you answered in the affirmative on, you know, you would start racking up points. That pretty much meant that every question that had something to do with giving, I said no to. It's probably what that meant. Zero. Well, it got my attention, and it bothered me, and I started to think, am I really that selfish? And I started to look at what we had given. I looked in the checkbook and looked back at, you know, the church sends out, you know, our church does this, the church I was at then did this, send out giving statements at the end of the year. So I like, went back and looked at last year's giving statement and thought, hmm, I'm not good at math, but I know that is not close to 10% of what I made last year. And so uh, I started praying about it and felt really guilty and shameful and all that kind of stuff and uh, read Malachi 3. And when I read where God said, test me in this, I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'll test you, God. I'll do it. Now, I wasn't yet a cheerful giver. I wasn't yet really wanting to do it, but I said, okay, I'm going to test you, God. I'm going to do what you said. So I sat down and I figured out what 10% was which even though I'm not good at math, it wasn't that hard to figure out. I figured out what 10% was, and then I give weekly, so I divided it by 52. And I talked with Sherry, and I said, you know, I'm, I haven't led our family the way I was supposed to, and we need to, we need to tithe, and this is what we need to start giving every week. And she was like, I was hoping you were finally going to figure that out, stupid. Now, she didn't say that, but, I, but she had been wanting to before I was, and I wasn't allowing us to. Now keep in mind, I'm on staff at a church. And uh, so I started to do that. And first couple weeks, I wasn't real excited, but I did it. 
But here's what happened. Is for me, and I think, and I don't think I'm the only one that this has happened to. In fact, I've talked to other people and it's been the same thing. For me, the attitude followed the amount. And what I mean by that is this. Once I started giving the right amount, my attitude towards giving began to change. Once I started giving the right amount, I became a cheerful giver. Now, here's the other thing. You know, the Malachi 3.10 says that, that if you do this, God will throw open the floodgates of heaven. Now, did I write a $100 check to the church and the next week receive $1,000 in the mail? Did I, did I write a, a tithe check to the church and, and the next week the personnel committee calls me in and says, we're going to give you a 25% raise? No, none of that stuff happened. But let me tell you what happened. The throwing open the, open the floodgates of heaven for me was I began to experience peace for the first time in my life when it came to my finances. I quit worrying so much about finances. Now, I'm not going to tell you I've never worried about it since. But it wasn't this overriding thing that I was always worried about how we were going to pay for stuff, how it was going to work out, and I couldn't figure things out. I began to have peace. The other thing, which was huge for me, is this was at a time in my life when I had been serving at this church and I was trying to figure out, God, am I supposed to do this the rest of my life? I'm not really sure. And God, I couldn't figure it out. God was keeping that information from me. He wasn't letting me see it. And then as soon as I began to get my giving right, guess what happened? God began to show me what the next direction in my life was, which was starting this church. Now, doesn't that make sense? Because would, would God have called me to start this church, to pastor a church, if I was robbing him financially? No. He's not going to do that. And so my giving had to get right before he began to show me, this is what I want you to do next. I want you to start a church. I want you to start a church that, that does things a little bit differently to try to reach lost people, people that need spiritual freedom in the Greer, Blue Ridge, Taylor's community. But I had to get my giving right first. And so for me, that was what happened. And the, the attitude followed the amount. I gave the right amount and the attitude began to change. And since then, and this is why I told you at the beginning, I'm not saying this to brag, but I'm saying this to let you know where I was and where God has brought me. Not, I didn't bring myself. God brought me here. Since then, we have tithed ever since. And in fact, now we give more than a tithe. We are in the place now where we're beginning to give offerings. And we got our giving statement for last year when that was well, it wasn't sent to me. Robin came and handed it to me in my office, and she came and handed it to me, and I opened it up, and I looked at what we gave in 2012, and I was so excited because it was more than 10% of what we took in. And we, get, we can now give to future development, and we can give every week to here. And not only that, God has blessed us enough that we have been able to help other people financially from time to time when needs come up. And here's the thing about all that. Now I love to give. In fact, it's one of my favorite things to do. And when things come up and Sherry and I will talk about it, we'll talk about what to do and I'll say, well, let's just give this amount right here. And I get excited about it. And God has changed my heart. Not because of me, but because of him. But here's the thing. God changed my heart, but that change was activated by me taking the first step of obedience. There had to be some point where I said, okay, God, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to test you in this. I'm going to give you 10% of this paycheck. And when, I, when we started tithing, we didn't have any extra money laying around. 
It wasn't like I waited till, okay, Sherry, I've been looking at the checkbook. It looks like now we can do this. No, we were just as bad off then as we had ever been. But I thought, we're going to test you, God. We're going to do what you said. And God has changed me. But it change came after I took the first step. And so that obedience from me activated the change that God made in my heart. And I tell you that to say, God can do the same thing for you. See, I have not looked at your giving. I don't do that as the pastor. We have other people that do that, but I don't look at your giving. But here's what I know. And it has nothing to do with me looking at it. Here's what I know from years of being in church and years of talking to people. The large majority of you did not tithe last year. The large majority of you, if you looked at your giving statement that we sent you at the end of last year, it was less than 10% of what you took in. I'm not mad at you about that, but I want for you what God has done for me. I want you to have financial peace. I want you to experience the joy of giving. And he can do that in your heart. If he can change my stubborn, hard heart, he can change yours. The next step is yours. Will you activate that change by testing God in giving? By beginning to give the right amount and then seeing if the right attitude follows. I want to pray. When I'm done praying, I'm going to, I'm going to let you know about something we've got coming up that's going to help you in this. And, um, but as I pray and, and as you think about things, if you're here today and you're married and God's speaking to one or the other of you, the male or the female, y'all need to talk about it. And men, take the lead. And men, if you're not going to take the lead, don't tell your wife to shut up when she starts talking to you about it today. If it moves in her heart. Have a discussion. See what God wants you to do. If you're single, what you waiting on? You ain't got anybody to convince. <laughs> Let me say the, say the prayer, and, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll get out of here in just a minute. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. And sometimes the messages that we read in there can be difficult for us to hear. Sometimes talking about money is uncomfortable. But you've blessed us so much. You've blessed us financially. We live in a nation where we have way more than we deserve, way more than we need. Help us to participate in your work by giving freely back to you. It's all yours anyway. 100% of what we have came from you, so we should give back the amount that you ask. And I pray that you would do that. Thank you so much for those here who give faithfully every week already. And I pray that you would continue to bless them for that. And, and for those that don't, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. And we wait to see what you will do. We're going to test you in this, God. We're going to test you to see if you're faithful. And we know that you, that you are faithful. We know that you'll come up big for us because you always have. And you've promised to do it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stand up. We're going to sing a closing song here in just a second. Um, before we do that, though, I want to let you know the end of this month, the last Sunday of this month, February 24th, we're going to be hosting at our office a financial learning experience. Joe Sangle uh, is a guy who goes around and speaks all over the country about budgeting, about giving, about all that kind of good stuff. He was here uh, a couple years ago, 
and he did his financial learning experience here with us. And uh, what we did was uh, he gave us a DVD of that and said that we could use that whenever we wanted to. And so we're offering this. It's completely free. And it's February 24th. You can register online or there's a QR code on your, uh, on your handout there. And uh, you can scan that QR code and be registered for that. Totally free. If, uh, if you've got children, uh, we'll, help pay, we'll help reimburse you for child care for that night. And, uh, we, but we do need you to register so we'll know how many to prepare for. And he'll tell you about all kinds of practical stuff, about budgeting, about investing, to help get your finances in order. All right? Hey, come back next week. We're going to continue to talk about this and, uh, and then and, uh, invite somebody to come with you.